coach Brad Corn is here. Coach, how are things? Doing all right. Doing all right. Sun's finally out, so feels uh, feels good to get some decent weather. Well, I just can believe. Did we see the sun at all on this last road trip? I'll tell you what, you, you don't see the sun, you, you don't play well on a Thursday, and then you get beat on that Saturday. It just feels like the it already, even if it was sunny, it would have felt like it wasn't. But that weather didn't do any favors either on the way back. So, um, but this is this is good start of a of a new week. You have to have a goldfish kind of a mindset as you enter league play and um, you know get over some things that didn't go well in that week because it's three games this week. I'm sorry, two games this week because we don't play uh, Thursday. Uh, but hopefully. Spring board gets momentum going with three games coming up at home after tomorrow evening. That's what I was going to say. I mean, uh, you could really put yourself in a in a more enviable position yeah. if you could win on the road tomorrow and then three at home, and you played much better at home than you have on the road. Yeah, and it's. Um, I think even with next week, now you start to get into that repeat, uh, the round robin of, of league play, second time around with opponents, uh, and some of the teams coming up. Uh, Tech and Western in particular, we played well at their places. So thinking that you can repeat that and then get some extra momentum at home. Uh, of course, didn't play well against Lindenwood at home uh, the last time. So just because you didn't play well at home and thought you should have won at home doesn't mean you're going to go there and win tomorrow either. So we have to have the right mindset heading into it. And really any game, whether you're home or away uh, in league play this year, it just seems like it's always going to come down about that last six minutes you know, and, and where you're at. So hopefully – we can continue to have some some positive momentum from Saturday's game, uh, get some consistency. You know, in the games that we've played well, I mentioned at Western, at Tech, at Little Rock, we've played well, just not well enough to win. And so we need to have some more consistency. Edwardsville played really well, obviously, and won. Uh, but just a little bit more consistency across the board so you don't have a game like Martin, you don't have a game like Lindenwood here as we finish and head into February because there's a – so much basketball left to be played and really put yourself in position to be that team that no one really wants to play come March. And your championship team lost at Lindenwood last year in double overtime, uh, but you got revenge. You uh, ended their season by beating them in the OVC tournament. Yeah, and, it, and again, it, it, go, it speaks to the consistency part. And just when you get into that March basketball, that's what we've been trying to drive home with this group all, all year long, is let's not wait to the end to reach our potential. And I think you see the potential in, in this group, albeit up and down at times. Uh, it, it's there. You know, if we ever can get some – I told the guys after the game in Little Rock, if we can get some – if they'll stick with it and keep coming, I firmly believe the work that they've put in the practice time, you're going to get the rewards and reap the benefits of that if you stick with it. Because uh, at some point, I firmly believe we're going to get more than just one guy going, more than just two guys going. If we ever can start clicking on the same page offensively, um, you know, now can we be a team, like I said, that no one wants to deal with come March. So a ton of basketball left to be played. I believe we're at halfway or maybe after tomorrow is going to be the halfway mark of league Correct. play. So, I mean, you're halfway through. So there's a ton of basketball left, and I've seen a little bit of growth in our guys, and we need to take another step uh, in that growth process, um, just getting in certain situations and now being able to close the door on the road. Uh, you're going to be in a lot of those situations, again, like I said, continuing to move forward. But, um, you know, it's there. We've got to go get it, though. No one's going to wait for you and just hand you something. So you fall uh, Saturday at Little Rock 66-61, a game in which you held the Trojans to one for 11 from three-point range. That has moved your three-point defense up to third best in the OVC. If you look statistically at every category uh, that they chart in the Ohio Valley Conference, you rank highest in three-point field goal defense. You shut down 
SIU Edwardsville from behind the arc, and you did the same to Little Rock on Saturday, one for 11. Yeah, and going back and watching the film on the bus, it's we did a lot of good things. Um, and you're going to have breakdowns in a game, obviously. Uh, but I think we've done a nice job, of course, on the three, you know, guarding the three-point line. We've got to do a little bit better of just not giving up a straight line. There's 12 points that we just gave up in that game against Little Rock. And, again, we talked about it afterwards, Eric. Our margin not being as big as it um, can be just because of the scoring. Every team and every year is different. Uh, but we're not a, a high-powered offensive unit right now. And so now you shrink those possessions on the defensive side. If you're giving up 12 points, just point blank 12 points that – you got to get that number to six because there's always going to be those possessions, those plays that happen. It's basketball. It's real life. Things happen. But if you can go from 12 points that you just give up on breakdowns down to six, that's a that's a big number for our group in the way that we're playing right now. And then if we can get six more points from the foul line, if we can get six more points in transition, you know that's where the margin for us can become greater, to where you don't have to live on every single possession offensively to go correctly, but then also defensively to not have as many breakdowns. What I thought was interesting early in the game, I thought you tried to set a tone with your team. It's tied at 10, and they get to layups. 14-10, you get a timeout, and it was a perfect time to call timeout because I know you're probably thinking, okay, we, we cannot have a game where they're just taking the ball right to the rim and we're not stopping it. You got a timeout, and things calm down after that. Yeah, and I think that's the just learning your group and learning your team. You know, I think as a coach, you're always going back. And at the end of the day, it's always my fault. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. That's a, that's what you sign up for. Uh, but you got to go and learn your team, too. You know, the players have to learn each other. But then I also have to learn the team. And what I've learned with this group over the course of the conference season is, um, you know, again, a year ago, we were able to survive that because we were going to come back and score. You know, we even if we got down six, we were going to score enough points. We were going to create enough possessions ourselves to hold us in the game. We averaged 82 points a game. So a four-point deficit, a couple breakdowns here and there wasn't the end-all, be-all for that group. And so learning this group and this thing and this team, four turns to eight really, really quickly for our group. And so it couldn't have have been one of those situations where you let it get to 18 to 10 because now we can't come back from that. We have in the past, Central Arkansas, um, even SIUE, we were down six late in the second half. But just the momentum swings of this group are too drastic. And so now in, the, in that moment, and I was fully prepared, to be quite honest with you, and in that game, I was fully, and that's the way that Little Rock plays. They, you know, they force a lot of pace and a lot of possessions. Well, and they lead the league in scoring. You, lead you league can't scoring. lead the league in scoring and not do that. Exactly. So now we have to chop the game up. We have to stop that. We have to stop that run. And, of course, that's what the timeouts are for. And you always want to have – I always like to have one or two in your back pocket just for late game situations or if you can't get the ball inbounded or any of those situations. So, uh, But I was fully prepared to call another one if it got to that point uh, and just really keep our guys in the game as long as possible because again our, our, we're finding we're finding our, our way our niche on the defensive side to hold us in the games and we're just hopefully just buying enough time to where our offense and our outside shooting can catch up because uh, if we start to mirror those two things I, you know we're going to be again I keep, third time i've said it now already but that team that people don't want to play here as we February and, and head into March. So uh, just stopping that momentum and, and letting our guys understand. And it's a unique thing. When you go back and watch it, too, they were playing that 1-3-1 one, one at the time. So now they were getting those, a couple of those runouts. Their center was in the middle of the floor at the free throw line. Well, typically most centers are down on the blocks with your center on defense. So now a missed shot from us, their post player already has 10 feet 
of a running start on your big guy running back in transition. And so it's kind of a unique thing, their transition offense and the way that they play. Uh, guards have to hold the lane a little bit longer and allow that big guy to come back to where they can filter back out to the perimeter. And we just didn't do that at the beginning. And it's a different, unique thing in your mind. Typically, you've got time to get out as a guard because I can see my center coming back with me and I'll just go ahead and get out of there. But because of the way that they were playing their one through one their five-man on off coming back in transition, their five-man was already 10 feet ahead of our center. So now that just caused a little bit of confusion, I think, in that moment. But it was like, hey, let's stop this momentum right now, settle down. We know it can work for us offensively, and our guys did that. And we really, all the way through from that point on, did a nice job. You had 14 points off the fast break. You had to like that. Yeah, and I really liked the way that Aquan attacked. Uh, we got a steal. David did a great job. Got a steal on a B.O.B. or a side O.B., Gives it to Rob. Rob kicks it ahead to Marquez. Easy two points. Uh, Aquan, again, was just great in transition. Minimal dribbles. There's one clip there. He, had, he took four dribbles from baseline to baseline, lefty layup and one in the second half. Uh, just using his speed in a positive way. And uh, just if we can convert, again, those transition baskets, which we haven't, there's been too many possessions where we just come up empty. We'll get a great defensive stop, but then we get nothing. Not free throws, not a foul, not anything in transition. Those are backbreakers for our group. Convert in transition, get to the foul line, score on BOBs. That can help everything else, and that's why we were so good a year ago offensively. We did those things on top of having, obviously, really good guard play. Uh, but even a guy like Nate Johnson had a fantastic year. Israel Barnes had a great year. and they did, It wasn't all these things that you did flashy with the basketball. Uh, we were up there in the league in assists. you know. And, and, but foul, getting to the foul line, we only shot six free throws in the game. And so just getting our guys to understand, and, you know, Josh is here and talk about him, but up until I think the first four games of conference play, he had only shot seven free throws on the season. And then he's done a nice job of, of get, drawing fouls. And it just it helps everything else uh, to where people can't just consistently pack it in on you. You know, they have to come out and guard you on the perimeter if you can make some open shots and then being able to drive the ball physically and get to the foul line. You know, I've seen a quad smart go up and down the floor. I saw how fast he was at Little Rock. That's why I asked Rob Martin last week, who is the fastest guy on the team? I, I, I got to see a, a, you know, and, and Martin said he was. I got to see a smart Martin foot race, man, because I, I find it hard to believe Martin's faster than a Quan Smart. That dude can long strides, man. When he's going up the floor, he is so fast. Yeah, I think, I think Rob was just trying to save a little face on that. Uh, <laughs> I got to see the race. You know, there's nothing to see. It's a Quan. Um, I think that, that was just Rob talking. Uh, but Rob is fast, obviously. But, yeah, sure. Quan moves at a different – you know, you see why, you know, in AAU basketball, high school basketball, you see a kid moving like that. And he's 6'3 and wiry, athletic. I mean, we played in the Big, tw- uh, the yeah. big Ten You see Maryland. why Maryland comes yeah. calling and, um, you know, because of that speed. And a lot of times, too, if you have, people are ever fortunate enough to go watch uh, NBA players, uh, just the size and the speed and how fast they're moving, and it doesn't look like they're moving fast. That's when you know. You know, they just have that it that, that it factor to where it's like, man, it, something's different about the way they're moving. And it doesn't look like they're moving fast, but they are moving lightning quick and the efficiency in which they play. And so Aquan using that speed, but he was efficient. You know, he was very, very efficient in that game, made layups around the rim. Uh, he had a reject ball screen and got to the rim on one to two dribbles uh, again. So just being able to dominate twos, I think that's where Aquan is at his best. So... It goes right, this game goes right down to the wire. There are 13 lead changes in the basketball game, and 
it was phenomenal. And late in the basketball game, you certainly had a chance to win. There have been games late. You didn't have a chance to win late against UT Martin. You had a chance to win this game late. And, man, some shots. You had some good looks. Yeah. And, and they just didn't fall. I mean, if a couple of those shots fall, uh, we could be talking about a really big road win. Right. And that's the that's the fine line of winning and losing. You know, and that's where our group is at right now. Again, we had margin a year ago. You, sometimes you have margin that you can play with. You can you can be up six or eight, and things don't have to go perfectly, and you still win. And you know, we 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 did good things offensively. You always kick yourself after the game of we should have done this, we should have done that. And then you go back and watch, and it's you know Adam Larson wide open two three times. T.J. Beal had had a fantastic game, maybe his best game that he's had in conference play to this point wide open shots josh got the ball on the left block where he normally has you know done a lot of work the last month of the season he's been the best big guy in the, in the league the last month of the season so again you got the ball in the right spots we just didn't convert and then sometimes you just you have to create your own luck and then sometimes there's also some dumb luck you know we get them to shoot an air ball and they get a, a stick back. standing right there you know, and grabs the ball and it kind of was a very athletic play by chaplin the kid that we played in uh, south florida a year ago uh, that's who made that kind of that acrobatic shot off of an air ball offensive rebound and uh, we fall asleep a little bit uh, the possession before or after that uh, and then they they shoot a three it bounces straight up in the air you know caroms and bounces around and goes right the down the only three they made in the basketball game. and it wasn't yeah, a, what a look. lucky and timing of it you yeah. know it's just it's the it wasn't a backbreaker but it was one of those hey if we get a stop you know now you're down one you can go up one or if you're up one you go up three a lot of different things can happen so you know you create your own luck but also there's a little bit of dumb luck and that's why i keep talking about margin with this group instead of trying to focus on one or two of those plays if we can get a little bit more consistent a little bit more efficiency offensively now you are up four you are up six and now that three that goes in some of that stuff because they're going to have some good luck go their way as the opponent now that only takes your lead down to three and then you come down and execute go back up five and that's how you can control and win a road game in league play it was an exciting way that you ended the first half you are uh, down by one point uh, and bj ward uh, hits a shot and so all of a sudden you're up by one and he hit the shot with four seconds left there was four seconds left on the clock they inbound the basketball very quickly and travel and then all of a sudden, you're like, okay, you, you had had three players over at the scores table getting set to check in, including Rob Barton, including Braxton Stacker. I can't remember who the third one was. Uh, and you had a chance to call a timeout and get those guys in. You elected not to get the timeout. BJ hits the shot. And when they inbound the ball, they travel. So all of a sudden, you're going to inbound the ball with .6 seconds left. And you've got Marquez Bell out there. Now, Marquez Bell doesn't get in many games in the first half, okay? Uh, And he played a lot of minutes in this game, and he played well, as good as he's played in any game as a college player. So you've got a sideline out-of-bounds play in the front court right in front of the Trojans bench and a play that you clearly have worked on in practice. He makes a perfect pass up near the rim. Braxton Stacker goes up touches it off the backboard and it goes down now they went and looked at it but he clearly got it off well before the buzzer even though it was 0.6 seconds left take us through that play and how about the pass made by bell because if it's if, if that pass isn't right where it is you don't score there yeah it's a it's a kind of an all-or-nothing play and with 0.6 that's what you know that's what you're going for uh but executed perfectly uh we went back and watched it in the film with the guys and you know kes hasn't 
shot a ton of those minutes and really been in those situations at all. Uh, and tip your cap to him and the way that he played and performed. Uh, that's how you continue to get minutes. Uh, you play like that and produce like that. So uh, very pleased with what, what he was able to do. But uh, you go back and watch it, and he's actually looking at the bench, uh, kind of looking over like, well, who do I throw to? What do I do right here? And I just was simply saying, hey, look for stack, look for stack. And he, you see him, he's like, okay, okay. And he takes it with that left hand. And, I mean, just a, you know, maybe it's that, the football genes uh, from his brothers and, and everything else, but uh, just a perfectly executed play. Uh, obviously something that we have worked on over and over again and give our guys a lot of credit for being able to execute that because those are some special situations. We actually were going to go to that same play. They were shooting the – we're down We're down two. This is at the very end of the game. We're down two. They've, we fouled. They've got a bonus free throw or two shots. I can't remember what it was. But he made the first, and so now we're down three. And I was telling our guys, hey, if he misses this, bring it across half court. We're using our last timeout. We were going to run that same play but with a different look to it. So that play actually has about three to four different options out of it outside of the lob. So, again, it's not rocket science, but Little Rock and everybody else that watches film is not going to be prepared for that play. Well, in that situation, you're not going to that lob down three. And so there's other counters and other actions and, and looks that we have for that. And I think most people do have that play that has multiple options and uh, to make a bad analogy, I don't know anything about football, but the RPO, the run pass option, it's kind of everybody has kind of that late game situation to where you have to you have to have multiple options to where if one gets taken away, you can go to two, and if two gets taken away, you can go to three. Now outside of that, you're probably you know, there's no four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, but that play, that particular play that we have, has multiple options, and we were going to use it again if he was going to miss that last free throw down three to run the side. It will be special situation four or three. So that buzzer beater puts you up three at halftime. You come out and hit the first shot of the second half uh, yeah. at the 1946 mark. So you're up five, and then it rears its head a five-and-a-half-minute drought, five-and-a-half-minute scoring drought after that where they rallied back and took the lead. Didn't take a big lead, but they took the lead. Uh, though that has to be a helpless feeling on the sideline when you go five and a half minutes. I mean, you just grabbed all the momentum, your largest lead of the game, boom, can't score for five and a half minutes. Yeah, that's that's really kind of been the um, the theme for our for our team this year. You know, even Edwardsville, we went three s- segments of five minutes more of not scoring a field goal, uh, and so it does. It makes it it makes it hard. It, again, it just the thing that it does is just constantly puts strain on your defense. Your defense has now got to be almost perfect every single time down. And we talked about it a little bit earlier. That's never going to be the case. You're not going to be perfect every single time on the defensive end. And our defense has been good enough to this point to hold us in there when we have had these droughts. Uh, but we've got to we, – it's a helpless feeling because I, you, you go back and watch and you do feel that you're getting the ball in the right spots or you're getting a wide-open shot or you're getting good looks and they're just not dropping down. And that's where I think we need to, as a group, somehow get a little bit better of being able to get fouls and be able to get to more than just being able to live and die on um, a particular set every time down. So now, if, okay, because the guys can feel it too, okay, the momentum has shifted a little bit. Every team is going to make a run at some point. You know, we're getting, okay, we've gotten two good looks here, and then that's when I think everybody starts looking around like, now what do we do? And then now you're in another offensive possession, and then they get an easy stick back layup, and, uh, so to, to find a way to now to where we can get a little bit more, again, consistency or continuity or a little bit more of, hey, we know we can go exactly to this and get what we want and all at the same time, 
a lot of times in those segments, going back and looking at it, we are getting the ball in the right spots. We're just not converting right now. And that's why I keep trying to tell our guys, if you stick with it, man, all you need is one or two buckets to drop in that stretch, and you're right, right. there. It's a two-point game. It's a three-point game. Or you go up one, you go up four, uh, and now, again, you don't have to be defensive uh, late in the game. You can be take care of the ball, execute again late in the game and down the stretch and, and get a road win. So we've put ourselves in good positions. You take Little Rock, you go Western Illinois, you go Tennessee Tech. You know, we've, we've put ourselves in position to win games and, um, you know, not just win games and not just coach speak, but two minutes left in the game, three minutes left in the game, one minute left in the game. You know, Little Rock tie game with a minute 20 left. We have the basketball. Uh, Western Illinois uh, down one with two and a half minutes left in the basketball game. That, that's right where you want to be. You know, now we've got to find a way. We're, we're right up to the door now. We've got to find a way to kick that door down and, and get a game on the road because we've put ourselves in good positions and come up short too many times. How about Marquez Bell, Coach? Uh, he played 16 minutes, 4 of 5 from the field, 8 points, 3 rebounds, and assist. I've never seen him dunk before. Uh, late in the game, yeah. not only did he dunk, he went up and threw it down with authority with two hands, and that the, the bench exploded. It was a big play in the basketball game. That young man's confidence, I know everybody's confidence kind of wanes when you lose, but uh, I would think his confidence has got to be uh, sky high right now. Yeah, and he's, you know, give him a ton of credit. It's hard as a freshman to, to continue to keep a good attitude. Uh, we lift as a group, as a team throughout the season, but he goes in and does extra work. Uh, he keeps a good attitude. Um, you know, a lot of freshmen, not just junior college guys or even transfers, but freshmen, this is the first time in their life where it hasn't been easy and you're not playing nearly as much as you ever played in high school. And so you you got to have a lot of mental fortitude to continue to come back and to keep coming and keep coming. The coaches keep telling you, keep doing what you're doing, you're doing fine, but just keep coming, Kez, keep coming. And it's like, well, you guys have been telling me that for two months now, and nothing's changed. And so it, that's a hard thing to do as a young person and give him a ton of credit in his family and uh, how he grew up with his brothers. Uh, you know, things have never been easy for him. And so to, to have that substance and character that he has in him to, to when your number's called to be able to produce like that. So not only does it give him confidence, it gives me a whole, whole lot of confidence too. To, if you can do that on the road in that environment and the way that in which he did it, he's fearless around the rim. Uh, you mentioned not seeing him dunk before, but that's exactly how he plays and competes. Uh, we do a little running in the beginning of practice every day, and he's first in, in all those uh, runs that we do. And that, it will play out for you. It will pan out for you if you keep a good attitude and you keep working. And so I was just excited to see him because, uh, again, as a coach, you're saying all these things, but until a person sees it happen for themselves, it's kind of it just reaffirms and uh, just keeps giving more of that belief that what you're doing is right uh, for him and his work. And... Um, you know, it gives us a ton of confidence. I mean, he's going to get his number called again uh, tomorrow night. And I think because of the way he approaches it and the way that he plays, he'll continue to have success, and, and we need that. And for those who don't know, when you say uh, his brothers, well, let's talk about his brothers. He's got a twin brother that plays wide receiver at the University of Michigan, who mm-hmm. just won the national championship. And his older brother, Ronnie, is a wide receiver for the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, by the way, they're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, I mean, he's got some athletic genes in that family. Yeah, and, of course, his twin brother has a ring. If Ronnie gets a Super Bowl ring, you know, that's going to be something nice for us uh, as a group. But we got one last year, but now, Kez, you, gotta, you can't be the only one in the family uh, that doesn't have a, 
uh, post high school ring. Uh, and so, but um, again, I can't say it enough about the family and the way that uh, the young man is. And again, in this era of portal and NIL and everything else, uh, high school freshmen are rare. You don't see a lot of people taking high school freshmen if they're not in the top 100 or top 50 at the BCS level. So, uh, we've continued to bet on the, the high school kids and the families, and uh, we, want, we want this program to be in the people that we want in it, and he is uh, the prime example of that. And uh, you've got a young man coming from Cape Central High School next year. Uh, Jaden Reynolds is his name. Am I correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, maybe I can't. Okay. Uh, you've got uh, – it's been reported on SEMO Ball that there's a verbal commitment. So you, you have not commented on that. I commented on it. Uh, but And you are actively at some of these local games, actively yeah. recruiting local athletes. Again, we can't say the names, but you are at these games. People see you at these games. Mm-hmm. You are recruiting the highest level talent in our area. Yeah, and, um, you know, we've talked about it before. Sometimes in some years you can't recruit. One, you can't recruit everybody that's around, uh, just the way rosters break down. But uh, but also it may be a situation we talked about a player who's at Tennessee State, Kenyon Hodges, and that particular year, that was the year we had seven guards. And so, again, you're not going to take a kid or try to take, tell a kid to come here or be unfair to that kid uh, who may have other options because they're looking at it too. They, they have an opportunity, especially a junior college kid, like whatever school I choose needs to be the right place because that's where I'm going for the next two years. I only have two years left. And so why would I go to a roster that already has seven guards? Uh, so there's a lot of factors that go into it. So when a, a local kid doesn't come here, there's a lot of things that go into it. It may not be that we didn't want them. It may not be that the kid didn't want to come here either. Just rosters, positions, and scholarships and everything else play a big part in that. And roster breakdown, depth charts may not be a situation or a year that a young person comes here. So in a year that you might need a big guy, you might be loaded at big guys and don't need a big guy. And so then that big guy leaves or goes somewhere else. And the other thing is you never know what the kid, you know, from an outside, um, just because you may be from Jackson, uh, you may want a kid to come to to Cape, but that kid from Jackson may want to go somewhere else. That kid may not want to stay here in the area. And so there's a lot of factors that go on. You've recruited for so long. There are just some guys, they want to leave home. They want to leave home and go somewhere else. And it may not be anything against you and your program. They just want to go somewhere else. Correct. And and we're all humans. Who doesn't want to get recruited and told how great you are? Like, you want to get recruited. You know, it's not like you tell somebody else, hey, don't recruit me. I'm I'm good. We all, that's just human nature. And so especially as a young person and what you see in the work that you put in as a young person, if other schools are calling you and talking to you and telling you how great you are, you're going to keep bringing all that in you know that's just that's human nature that's the that's the business uh, but we have to do our part as well though to make sure that people that are around here that we think can produce and play at our level know that they have a home that they can come home to or even start at uh, and i think that's the most important thing is going around and being in these gyms and establishing relationships and doing our part and uh, you know i'll be at games again friday night uh, next week and it's just that it's part of it but the region has a lot of good players um you know, and again, we can't take them all. I know you, you'd love to, and you know we are Southeast Missouri State University, so you'd love to, to protect home and and, and have a, a roster with, with some guys on it that uh, people can identify with, and we want that too. But it also it has to work both ways, and then you also want it to work to where not only do you come here, but you stay here and you get better, and we win, and I think and you graduate, and all those factors. There's a lot of factors that go into it. It's not as cut and dry, and I think sometimes people may not understand either. 
we only get 13 scholarships year to year. And so you can't break those up. You can't. There's a lot of different things that go into it, but uh, it is important to be visible and to be out, and we have been and will continue to be because there is good players in the area. So also, uh, when you are recruiting a, a local kid, and I'm just going to use your local kids as an example. It, it applies to everybody that you recruit. Oftentimes, uh, you keep close contact with, especially for guys that are in the area because it may not work out somewhere else. And uh, you call those uh, bounce-back type recruits because you think, okay, if it doesn't work out, uh, if everything that this program is promising this young man and they're disappointed, they could be looking elsewhere. You keep those relationships going. Like I, I know, like with Hodges, I know he was going to make a visit here. Mm-hmm. And then at the last minute, you, you guys are expecting him. Phone call, coach, I'm going to Tennessee State. But you keep, yep. and, and, and he had been at Eastern Illinois, but you keep the line of communication open there even though someone is going to another program, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, when, when kids commit and they go to another school, we don't, you know, we're not tampering or messing with anybody like that. But, for instance, like Hodges, when he goes into the portal, you know, we're contacting him immediately. Uh, again, because of prior relationships and being at Three Rivers and um, all that type of stuff. So, yeah, we're, we're continually to uh, do our work and not only just Cape, Jackson, New Madrid, whatever the town may be where a particular player may be. But even St. Louis, to me, is taking care of home. Memphis is taking care of home. Those are close places with good basketball players. And, of course, our roster has a bunch of St. Louis guys up and down it. Uh, but although it may not be 30 minutes away or 15 minutes or 8 miles away, Dylan Branson's still an hour and 40 minutes away from our campus door-to-door. So I still consider that uh, taking care of home and, and being uh, proactive in building that wall of and, again, you may not get everybody that you want in a particular year, and that particular kid may not want to come to you right away. But to your point, you've done enough of the groundwork when they were younger and getting them on campus and being around them that if they do go somewhere else and it doesn't work out, uh, you, now you get to make that decision if you want to take them back or if they want to come back closer to home. And I think an example of that is Philip Russell. He had committed to come here and play. The coaching change occurred. Coach Pickens was still here. He went to SLU. It didn't work out at SLU. Coach Pickens is still here. Boom. Bounce back. Here he comes. And uh, the rest is history because he was a great player when he was here. But that's an example of continuing that relationship, which was already established when initially he had been recruited and said he was coming here. Yeah, and you even go back to uh, Phil's high school coach, Tony Irons, whose dad, uh, legendary, legendary high school coach. um, And Vashon and just the, the high school success that they've had. And Chris Lowry, when I worked at SIU, had a, has a great relationship with Coach Irons, and we've coached players from Vashon before. So, again, uh, relationships and, and knowing people knowing who you are too. You know, it's not just um, – uh, it's not just one guy or one person, but when a, when a high school coach or an AAU coach can vouch who you are and who you've been over the course of 20 years – uh, and when you've had success with other players, and, and Coach Irons coaches the uh, Brad Beal Elite AAU, and uh, just you know anybody that can vouch for your character. So when a guy like Phil Russell goes in, it's like, well, who, you know, I didn't really know Phil. Didn't really recruit him that hard uh, when I was at K State or anything like that. And I knew he was committed here before, and then decommitted and goes to SLU. And so now when he goes into the portal, it's like you know you talk to Coach Irons and who's helping him a little bit and talking to the family. It's like, hey. Here's who Brad Corn is. You know, I don't know maybe a, a lot about Simo, but I know a lot about Brad. So let me tell you a little bit about him and the guys I've had with him and who he's been around in his career. 
here's who Coach Weber is, here's who Chris Lowry is. That stuff makes a huge, huge difference when other people around the recruit can vouch for who you are. And uh, kind of pull the curtain back just a little bit for fans. Um, when you are done with a basketball game and you're on the road, for instance, Little Rock, uh, man, the first thing you do after you, you know, there's usually food on the bus for the players, coaches, and everything. So you enjoy your meal. You know you've got a long trip. You can't get the, the laptop up quick enough, and you're watching game film, and you're breaking down things. Uh, I sit uh, behind Ryan Strom, your ba- director of basketball operations. He's in the house today with Josh Early. Uh, I'm sitting behind him. He's charting everything, man. He's got a card. He's breaking down every play and charting different things. I mean, the work immediately starts after eating on the bus after a road game. Yeah, it's um, there's no point in eating because Coach Strom gets the food delivered an hour and a half before our game ever ends, so it's always ice, ice cold. Um, but out, outside of that, um, again, especially yeah, that's, in the, that, that's a problem. Yeah, uh, that's a yeah. problem. Yeah. And there's no exact science to it. And uh, again, he he comes from the thought process of I can appreciate it. Well, it's better than having no food there because if there's no food there, then we really got problems. Um, but you used to be a a director oh, yeah. of basketball operations, so you understand the challenge. Yeah, and even at SIU, we didn't have a director of operations when I was an assistant at SIU for those seven years. So I was assistant really? and operations, yeah. Interesting. Uh, so I did it all. and um, So I get it. I, that's why I tell these guys all the time, Ryan and the staff too, is like, I have zero sympathy for anybody because uh, <laughs> I, I did it. And um, we did it, and we did it well, and we won. And so there's really no excuses. That's why I try not to make any excuses. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're at K-State or SIU or SEMO. There's there's shortcomings and problems and issues everywhere. I and mean, I watched us do it at SIU with just as just as much, or if not less, uh, than what we have. So there's no excuses uh, for getting something done. But uh, anyway, uh, I think the, the whole thing, too, Eric, again, I go back to it, and you hit those lulls and you hit those stretches, and as a coach, you're always trying to learn and get better. And I, feel, I always feel my job as the coach is to help the team. And so how do I help the team? Do I make it about me and just say that Josh didn't make a layup, or do I find a better way to help Josh get a layup? And so the only way to do that, I could not watch the film and just blame the players, but I need to watch the film and learn from that so I can get better. So I, my job is to help the team. So we get in those situations. We can be better, and we can win games, and we can have success. So, um, you know, you play, and you, and you want to be right. Like, I have to be right in my messaging. If I'm just emotional, that may not, I may not be right if I'm doing it based upon emotion. You know, I have to do it based upon principle and what I see on the film. And so when you say things in a game or you say things in timeouts, you go back and watch and reaffirm what you had said or thought. And so now when you go back and address the team the next day or they're putting together the practice plan the next day, it's because of the principle, not necessarily the emotion. Now, to that point, if you were still watching, I got to about the second half, I just turned the light off and slammed the thing down because, again, now I'm starting to get it based upon emotion. And now I'm getting a little ticked off. And um, so, again, it's, it's that fine balance. It's a, I think every coach does it. Um, but, again, yeah, the work, the work never stops. And you, you are, it's never where you're at. It's what you're becoming. And so hopefully every day that goes by, every practice, it's we're trying to reach the best version of what this group and what this team can be. And we have a huge responsibility as a, of that as coaches to f- continue to find ways to help the team try to be successful. Did you watch Nate Savarino's Kansas City Chiefs advance to their fourth Super Bowl in the last five years yesterday? Um, no. Nah, it's a shame. No, I think I might have watched one series. All right. Yeah, couldn't do it. All right. Now, let's talk about Josh Early. Uh, Nothing with, against the Chiefs and Josh in Kansas City or Nate, but, yeah. 
No, you cleaned it up nicely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Josh Early uh, is going to join us here momentarily. Uh, all that time at Tulsa just did not get a sniff of the court, really. Uh, and all of a sudden, he comes here, and he is playing terrific basketball for you. Right now, he is fifth in the league in field goal percentage in conference plays, up to 18th in scoring, 16th in rebounding. Uh, he's 15th in blocks. All of a sudden, he's, he's a rim protector for you. Uh, he ranks 11th in offensive rebounding right now. I mean, talk about how good Josh Early is playing the game right now. Yeah, I said the last month, I mean, he's been the best big guy in the league. And, you know, we've talked about it a lot, Eric. Josh gets a heavy as the burden that wears the crown. I mean, he gets crushed by uh, Coach Reynolds and uh, the rest of us all the time, just always nitpicking at his game. And I know he gets frustrated with it, but it's because he has all this potential. I saw Coach Reynolds play, by the way, when he was at Eastern Illinois, just throwing that out there. I remember him. Now I understand why you wear glasses then, (laughs) if you had to watch that. Uh, but, uh, you know, Josh, yeah, he's just been – he has all this potential. And everybody see, and that's the coach's job is to pull that out of you. And it may not make you comfortable. You may not like it. Uh, but it's one because people see something in you, and it's their job to get it out of you. Because, again, human nature, you'll just continue to do what you do and stay where you are. And fortunately and unfortunately for Josh, if he just stays where he is, he's still pretty good. But we want him to be great. And he's really played at a level this last month where people have to go in every single game. All right, how are we going to defend Josh Early? And that's what you wanted from him at the start of the season. And so, again, I think you look back, and everyone always talks about our guard play, you know, and, and rightfully so. I think in the game, a lot of people talk about guards. You don't talk about big guys as much. Um, but you really look at our program from Manny Patterson to Nate Johnson and now to Josh. Our centers come January and February have really, really produced and had their best years and best statistics and best basketball in those months. And so he's sitting in stride, had a little bit of a down week for him in, those, in that Thursday-Saturday game. Um, and that's why you need everybody around you. That's why basketball is the best sport because it's a team sport and you need everybody. And we need Josh playing at a level that he can play at, and he's done that for the last month. For a guy who's fifth in the league in field goal percentage, can you explain how he jump-hooked the ball off the top of the backboard Saturday? Thankfully, he's coming up here next. And he, he All right. Can, he can, uh, we'll he, get to the bottom <laughs> of it. Yeah, he can maybe tell you because, again, there's a lot of times, though, when Josh turns and shoots that hook shot, I know I sit there, I'm like, where's that guy? Oh. Nice shot, Josh. You know, and it's with both hands. He's got amazing touch. Uh, and so, again, is it, Josh is not going to play perfect every single day. You know what I mean? Every single shot. And I think he puts a lot of stress and, and pressure on himself to be perfect. And you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be the best version of Josh. All right. Josh Early going to join us when we come back from this time out. We're in Jackson. Wings at Center of the Coaches Show on SEMO ESPN. Wings at Center will be back in a Cape location Tomorrow, let's welcome in Josh Early. Sorry about that technical glitch. As soon as you put the headset on, we blew up, man. (laughs) So uh, you are right now at the stage of your basketball career, kind of like Coach Reference with Manny Patterson a couple of years ago. Uh, You get to a point as a senior where you can smell the finish line. Am I right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy because I feel like I mean, when I came into college, people told me, like, your years in college are going to go by like that a lot faster than you think they are, and I didn't believe it until I'm here now. So, man, I'm in my fifth year, and I feel like my freshman year was just last year. So, I mean, yeah, it's kind of a crazy feeling. So you transferred after three years at Tulsa. I don't know if Nate Savarino ever told you, but uh, he worked at uh, the University of Tulsa. Uh, I don't know, is it University of Tulsa or Tulsa University? 
University of Tulsa. Mm-hmm. So uh, he worked there as well. So you played in 41 games in three years. You averaged five minutes per game, 1.1 rebound. Why was it so tough to get on the floor for Coach Frank Hayes? Uh, I mean, my freshman year, I was coming off the bench behind. Uh, I mean, a really, I had, there was a really good senior. Uh, he ended up winning sixth man of the year because of, like, lineup changes. But he was he was starting at one point, so he was really good. And then sophomore year, injuries, and uh, junior year, Junior year kind of picked it up in the first half, but then, like, uh, I was uh, ineligible the last half of the season, so kind of didn't get to play the last uh, half of the season. Then I ended up transferring. How much of a shock is it for somebody uh, like you? Uh, you're from Kansas, Shawnee Mission. You went to Bishop Miege High School, won three state championships. So you are used to not only playing, playing at a high level, having great team success, rarely on the bench, and then all of a sudden you play Division One basketball and you're on the bench. Well, how big of a shock is that? How big of a transition is that? And what kind of a mindset do you have to have when that happens? I mean, it was definitely uh, definitely frustrating because, I mean, you're coming from being one of the best players on your team to, you know, being closer to the end of the bench where you're not used to. So, I mean, it was definitely frustrating coming in my freshman year having to, take a different role and like play the play behind people when I'm used to not being on the bench at all but I mean I think what just kind of got me through it was like you know just continuing to show up and like work for my work at that point just kind of work for myself because like I mean I knew I wasn't going to get in so I kind of just wanted to get better for myself so you as a leader on this team, can you have conversations with a guy like Marquez Bell and Coach was just talking about keeping the right attitude, not getting to play, but keep working hard because you're going to get your chance because that's something you personally went through. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, I've t- I've had talks with Kez about it before. I mean, I've known I've known Kez for a while. I mean, we played for the same AAU team. He was just a little younger than me, so when I was when I was like uh, 17, he was you know pretty young so but i mean yeah i've had i've talked to kids about it before because obviously i've been in the same spot so i mean i feel for him so i mean i'm i was really happy that he played good on saturday how about that dunk yeah no i was really happy for him he he played amazing is he still talking about that dunk? <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i think all of us still are because i mean i mean the first he had a dunk opportunity but he didn't take it the first time we got on him about it so just kind of happy he went for it that second time. So, well, there's no chance he wasn't going to do it now yeah. if you guys gave him the business, right? Yeah. Not only his only good play in the game, I mean, he finished with eight points. How about that pass to uh, Braxton Stacker at the end of the first half? I mean, if that's not a perfect pass, you guys, you know, you, you only have a one-point lead at halftime. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know I can't make that pass, so, I mean, I'm, I'm just happy that he made it. <laughs> so when did you know – uh, I'm sure you found out, you know, when you were young that you've got to be able to use both hands in basketball. You can't be a limited player uh, and only be able to go one direction or only be able to use one hand. How did you get so good at using your left hand as well as your right hand? Uh, I mean, I feel like from, like, a young age, I was brought in the gym, like, every day from my – because I had a trainer from, like, from the sixth grade all the way through, I mean, I still go back home now with him and train with him. So, I think from that point on, he's like, like, made made me do so much repetition with both my hands because he's wanted me to be able to do everything with both hands. So, I mean, 
I mean, I give a lot of credit to him, but it's also just like me going in the gym, like putting time on my own growing up and putting repetition. Boy, I know there was one time that you had Crocker Johnson down on the post uh, and you faked going right and he just knew you were going right and mm. you go left and banked it in. I mean, that's that's got to be a luxury for you because the defender has to respect both sides, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a... Makes it makes it a little easier, but it also makes it a little harder because, I mean, uh, at that point, they send a lot of double teams, and, like, I, sometimes sometimes it's frustrating, but also I got to think about it. It's, like, uh, it's kind of a good thing because they respect, like, how I play, and they know I can score with both hands. Boy, it's interesting uh, when you, as a guy on the post, uh, think that the double team is probably coming. You've got to know the lay of the land. You've got to know where everybody is. So if they come with a double team, I mean, that means somebody is open, and you know how much do you guys work on that in practice, so you dealing with a double team? Uh, pretty much every day. I mean, I'm, I've seen double teams pretty much almost every game this season, which is, I mean, it's nothing new now, but, I mean, I feel like I have a lot of faith in my guys, and I'm getting better at passing the ball as opposed to I have a lot of faith in my guys to where I pass to them. They're going to make the shot, so, I mean. So you had a really good game against Lindenwood. I know you guys uh, lost the game, but 16.7 rebounds, and believe it or not, you shot nine free throws in that game, and you go six for nine from the free throw line. You don't get to the line a lot. Nine times, that's that's like two weeks for yeah. Josh Early, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was just trying to play as hard as I could that game. I mean, we, obviously, we don't like losing to Lindenwood, and, I mean, there's a rivalry there. But, I mean, I just try and go out there and play as hard as I can every day. I mean, and, I mean, I just, and when you, I mean, the coach says when you play hard, good things happen. All right, so this is just a member of the media kind of looking at the matchup tomorrow and the first meeting between you two guys. Uh, are you thinking in your mind, Keenan Cole got 42 points on us the first time. There is not a chance in Hades that he's going to get 42 tomorrow night. I mean, if we're not thinking that, we'd be kind of crazy. I mean, there's I mean. no way we could let him do have a night like that again. I mean, obviously we let it go the first time, but, I mean, that's that's over with. And I feel like we can go out there tomorrow and shut him down and get a win. All right, this is a critical spot. Uh, in the Red Hawks season. Right now, you're, you're eighth place, top eight make the tournament, but you are engaging as you play the official second half of the season tomorrow. Uh, that'll be your ninth of 18 conference games. And then you've got the next three at home. Do you guys look at it as, okay, this is an opportunity right here for us to grab some momentum for the season? Yeah, I mean, we were just talking about it the other day. We were talking about not wasting opportunities. I mean, this is a perfect opportunity for us to go on a stretch of wins for – and get our confidence back going into uh, the tournament. And I feel like if we can build wins going into the tournament, we can make a run into the tournament and possibly run it back again. All right. You uh, you took, now it didn't go in, but you took a face-up jump shot. Now you just hit one a couple of games ago. One of the few face-up jump shots that you have taken this year. How much do you work on that? Because uh, you're a back-to-the-basket guy. That's kind of that's kind of old school in modern basketball now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll I'll, sh- I'll work on it a little bit and like shoot around or practice before before practice. But I mean, I felt comfortable shooting it. I felt comfortable where I was at, so I just you know try something different. I mean, it went in the first game, so I was like, I mean, maybe maybe I'll 
try it again, and it just happened not to go in. Boy, I tell you what, uh, when I see some of the jump hooks that you put in off the backboard, and not just off the backboard, some of these are high off the backboard, and they go in. Uh, how much uh, did you watch Tim Duncan? He was a master at using the backboard. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I actually, my trainer actually wakes me up work on a lot of his moves uh like a lot of his uh trying to like turn around post phase and all that off the backboard and i uh, just like turn around jump shots off the backboard when i'm back home so i mean i i've worked on a lot of his uh on his like footwork and stuff and watched a lot of him too all right who are some of the best uh best players that uh you played against in your career hmm. Whether it's Tulsa AAU, maybe, maybe it's Southeast. I don't know. I know I know a lot of guys that I played with or played against that have went to the NBA. So I mean, right. any anybody that's made it there, I mean, I guess that's they're one of the best players I played against. All right. So what's the mood of of the team here? Uh, you you're gonna go to Lindenwood, and I know you guys are thinking, hey, we owe them. We need to go and win this basketball game and come home and uh, and get something accomplished uh, at the Show Me Center. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously the mood is to go to go to Linderwood and win a game. I mean, they got us the first time at home, so we want to go in there, go in their arena and uh, take one from them, and it's going to help us with our uh, win total and confidence. So, I'm, I mean, I think, we're, I think we're ready to go. You know, it's tough to be a leader when you're kind of on the bench, which you were at Tulsa. Now... Uh, you're one of the main guys on this particular team. How much of a transition is that? And uh, have the coaches said, "Hey, Josh, we need you to be a leader." Uh, it was it was a tough transition. I mean, uh, like Coach Corn says, sometimes it's frustrating for me. Uh, you know, I've never been in this spot before, coming from a school where I was on the bench, and now I'm like barely on the bench now. So it's it's it was a tough it was a tough transition. But I mean. I like going. I like coming to practice every day with these guys. I like going to games. I like being out there in those tough situations with these guys. So, I mean, I wouldn't trade any of this for another team. So you're six seven. What's it like going up against two seven footers in practice? Uh, I mean, it's something. I mean, it makes me a lot better though because I mean, I don't. You're not going to see a lot of seven footers in the OVC. So I mean, playing playing against them is kind of kind of makes me. Uh, Kind of makes me work a little harder in practice because I know if I can score around them, then I can. It gets me ready for the game. All right, it's going to be Lindenwood tomorrow, probably seven fifteen, seven twenty. The women's game goes at five o'clock. Josh, we will see you in St. Charles tomorrow. Thanks so much for your time today. Appreciate, Appreciate you. It. All right, Josh Early, Coach Brad Corn. Uh, one final segment when we come back, talk about the Lindenwood Lions, who the Red Hawks play tomorrow. Red Hawks Coaches Show is on SEMO Eek and a 7-15 tip-off tomorrow in St. Charles at Highland Arena against the Lindenwood Lions. Uh, Coach, uh, they beat you here 74-68 on January 11th, the game where Keenan Cole had 42 points and 11 Rebounds, Darius Bean uh, had 20 points in the basketball game, and uh, I know those two guys, I mean, just you look at the percentage of scoring they do compared to the rest of the team. Those are the guys at the top of the scouting report, and uh, like we said with Josh, uh, they certainly remember Keenan Cole lit them up. Yeah, it's just, um, you know, you let a guy get confidence like that early in the ball game, and really, I think he had two points in the first ten minutes of that game even, Eric. 
Uh, so really the last 10 minutes and then just the way we closed the first half was terrible. We have a great defensive possession. We fouled and we turn it over and foul. So we literally gave them five points to end the half and we're down five and a half, I think it was. Yes. Uh, so again, just we, that game consistently just shot ourselves in the foot time and time and time and time again. So uh, good thing about it is, the best thing about it is that it's over with. Uh, you gave a guy, but now the reality is you gave a guy a career night. So now he's going to have a ton of confidence coming in tomorrow night's game. So um, it doesn't matter what happened the last game. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday. Uh, you got to come with the right mindset in that particular game and, uh, and understand what if you repeat the same kind of uh, approach um, that you're going to be in trouble. But also if you think just because it happened once and uh, I'm just going to say it's not going to happen again, you got to go make it not happen again. And I think that's been the main thing with our guys. I think they understand that. And going back and watching the film yesterday, I think they understand that and uh, see some things that we did not do on the court that can help us have some success. You're not going to just shut the guy down completely because uh, he's a good player and, and produces and scores, uh, but you also 42 is just a little bit, uh, a little bit much uh, for for what we allowed him to do. You're defending the arc a lot better now than you were when you played Lindenwood because they hit seven threes in the game. They ranked last in the OVC in three-point percentage. And uh, we just mentioned you rank third in three-point defense in the league, uh, you know, limiting them from distance tomorrow. How big is that going to be? Yeah, it's just, I think it's, again, more of our, uh, of our team approach uh, and more of a individual um, pride approach, too. Uh, going back and watching the film from the last time, it's just we allowed so much space, and they just were able to move and operate freely. And that's just not when we're at our best. Uh, we're at our best when we're in position, when we're physical, um, you know, physical without fouling, and then we pick up a lot of fouls still, but a lot of our fouls come when we're, we're behind the play. And so being on the front of the play and, and just being a little bit more aggressive and still being compact in a tight uh, unit uh, behind the guy guarding the ball. So I think we'll make some slight adjustments there and, um, and really just understanding and knowing what's going to allow our team to have success, but then executing. It's one thing to say, it's a whole other thing to do it. And so to actually get out there and do it instead of talking about it will be nice. If you and I are talking after the game and you win at Lindenwood tomorrow, why did you win the game? We we did what we do. We did what we can do. We control what we can control for our group, and that's to share the ball offensively. I thought we had great offensive possessions against Little Rock. The ball was moving. Um, we didn't play isolation basketball, so we're getting side-side paint touches offensively, converting in transition, getting to the foul line, uh, and then being a tight-knit defensive unit. I don't, uh, there's good players everywhere, and no disrespect to Keenan Cole, but as a group, as a unit, we can't allow one guy to go for 42 points. So our, our team collective defense has got to be there and to continue to rebound the basketball. Rematch with Keenan Cole tomorrow night. Coach, thanks so much for the time. We'll see you in St. Charles tomorrow. Okay, sounds good, Eric. Thank All you. All right, thanks to Josh Early as well. Rachel Cook, Mike Rennick, our engineers on site. Back into ESPN Radio programming. They'll be talking a lot of NFL football. Hope you enjoy the rest of your Monday, everybody. So long from Wings, etc. You've got the home for sports.